Welcome back. It is I, Jacob Dupree, aka the commissioner, not sounding like I've train smoked 38 cigarettes in the past 28 minutes. My voice is mostly back and I am accompanied by an actual person tonight. It's not just myself being unhinged. I have my very special accomplice, Jance. Shall we mourn tonight together, amigo? Looks like we're probably going to have to. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be back, first of all. It's been... Last pod that I remember was our Thanksgiving episode. I may have been on one after that at some point, but it's been a long time for me. So excited about that. I'm sad for other reasons, happy for others. It's a very mixed bag tonight, as you're well aware. Yeah. I I know you were in two championship leagues. How did those go for you? Well, um, the one with in Stranger Danger, going to lose um, just because no one showed up on my team. And I mean, plus... Kelton, he he had Russell Wilson, he you know had 24 points, which we all saw coming straight out of the woodworks, right? Oh yeah. And uh, Kirk Cousins decided to absolutely poop himself, and Jair Alexander decided to take a dump on Justin Jefferson. So I mean, once I saw that happen, I was like, <laughs> rip. Um, but I mean that that was the one championship that I had. But Kelton looks like he's actually going to win two championships. That in the fantasy football criminal. So I I know he was laying in the weeds all year. I mean he had good records in those leagues, but it was still surprising to see him. I mean, Wayne, both of them. I mean, listen, just keep it in the family, at least, I guess. I respect yeah. it. <laughs> We're going to go for the three-peat next year of he versus I and Stranger Danger, and hopefully the outcome's different. But I'll just rely on the fact that Jonathan Taylor and Javante Williams are on my bench because of injury. We'll say that would have changed everything, and that's yeah. my consolation. Um, but speaking of consolation, do I need to, like, give you a virtual hug based off of how Joe Mixon does for the Empire League? Probably. It's one of those things that, uh, for those who are listening, I've gone undefeated mm. in our one money league, 14-0. Demonstrably undefeated. Not like, not close. Every week has been pretty much a blowout. Yeah. A little bit of opponent luck, because I did. I don't think I actually finished total scoring. I think I finished second on the year. Mm-hmm. So, But nonetheless, and then 15-0 with the playoff win, I'm probably going to lose tonight, which is heartbreaking. Hey, 19.27 from Joe Mixon in a full PPR is not far it, off of his average point per game. It would be his highest outage beyond besides his 50-pointer this year. It's possible. Mm. Um, and it, the thing is, it's not. I don't know if this is good or bad. My team performed really well. You have so 150 I, I, I'm, points I'm, right now. Nothing to be I'm sure I'm not even of. upset about it. It's no. just whenever your, your opponent has Mike Evans mm. and Christian McCaffrey, who accounts for 60% of their point total, you're <laughs> – you're fighting uphill battle. And don't forget, and, you had Jalen Hurts rolling all year, and then that happened. Yeah. yeah, so that hurts. So a couple of factors going against me, but that's the way it goes sometimes. I woke up Sunday morning, for whatever reason, feeling like I was going to pull a 2007 Patriots, and that looks like that's what's going to happen. I'm, and, I'm, I'm uh, sorry. And, and along with that, I was hoping for the funds from that to help go towards my jersey that I now oh. have to purchase. Let's talk about it, baby. Miles Sanders. I will talk about it. Miles Sanders, I love you, my man. I might make a donation to some charity you have. He f- is going to finish as a number 13 running back through week 17, which we like you realized, I think it was like, what, last week? It was like, did we ever say week 17 or week 18? I, I was thinking about it because <laughs> it was totally going to make a difference. How it much it, way this it did. Um, but I think you and I kind of came to the agreement of, the fantasy season ends at week 17 for any sane league. So we would count through week 17. Um, and I appreciate your integrity and your character there, sir. Um, but, but yeah, Miles Sanders, number 13, 
Um, Brees Hall, well, I'm not sad you got hurt. I'm also sad and happy you got hurt before 12 games were played because that would have added in. But how I think you said he's 0.1 above like the next two guys and 0.2 so, above the next like seven. Right. So, he, well, so he's, he's running back 13. I don't have him in order because I'm not looking at it right now. But the running backs it. that finished 14, 15, 16 were a combination of Zeke Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Kenneth Walker. Uh, maybe DeAndre Swift? No, it was, Kenneth, it was Kenneth Walker. Or Kenneth Walker. So those three finished 12.6 to mm-hmm. his 12.7. So 0.1. And then at 17, somebody finished with 12.5. Yeah, Jamal Williams was uh, at 17 with 12.5. Then Alvin Kamara, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris. In other words, four first-round draft picks from yeah. uh, redraft setting so there. Basically, if Miles Sanders just goes for like two points and less in any – of his games this year, then the bet swings the other way, but that's not how reality works. Nope. Um, and he tried his hardest the last he three did. weeks. He totaled about thirteen total fantasy points, maybe. Oh, it was it was less in this. So in this half PPR league that we based our scoring off of, it was six, eleven. No, actually, right, like right at about 12, 12 13 points. He, he tried. tried hard. He, he was trying. Hard. He's like, I know there's someone out there who has a bet on my name. Screw that guy because I hate fantasy leagues, which he actually says. I respect him for it. <laughs> and it. It really worked out the way we talked about. Um, his yardage totals were about what we expected on a per-game basis. He didn't catch the ball, which we expected. The whole difference was he scored zero touchdowns last year, and he scored, what, eight this year? Uh, so I think it was ten. I mean, more than ten. Yeah, let me let me check that yeah, so I expected quick. him to score touchdowns this year, but I didn't expect him to <laughs> I mean, your defense, I didn't expect him to score 10 touchdowns. Let me me scroll over here. He has 11 touchdowns on the ground, none through the air. And that's that's the difference. Welcome to fantasy football variance. And I know you you might not agree with this, but his destination matters. But assuming it's something just similar to last year, I would be selling a little bit on Miles (laughs) Sanders for that many touchdowns. Oh, no. I, I would be selling unless he goes to like one of two teams, basically. Kansas City, maybe. Can't, like Kansas like City, Miami is, is on the docket, potentially, you know, somewhere like that. Other than that, yeah, I'm going to wait for him to sign or hit like the open market. Start building offers for him. Get him because he's going to a second contract on a different team, most likely. So, so I, after this podcast, this week, I'll be in the process of acquiring a jersey. Um, I get. I'll, I'll probably send a photo of me unboxing it to the leagues, and then we, you can post it on the Twitter account if you want as well. We'll I definitely will. post whenever I go to dinner, more than likely with you in a restaurant, in as well. So we'll get it. We'll we're get gonna it on go. Socials. We're, we're gonna go to a hot date, just you and me in Miles Sanders jersey. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure that you have like plastic wrap from the neck down because I don't want anything on it. Got to keep it clean, keep it protected. No, that's the thing is that we joke about this. If I'm gonna spend this kind of money on it, while I won't wear it probably ever besides this occasion i'm gonna keep it because i spent too much money on it exactly i might resell it who knows no no you're gonna give it to me and it's gonna be a joyous occasion uh Uh, but hey you won Bichon or the one-on-one in two rookie leagues congratulations on that that's where i was going and you tanked so well in criminals that you scored negative amounts of point which i'm impressed with i didn't think it was possible but it can be done (laughs) Um, so it's not all doom and gloom for me i do get the first crack at my my son Bijan, um, and all. Didn't realize you had a third kid. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm I'm excited about that. So things could be worse. Uh, here's a real question for you. Um, 
in Superflex League, like I've talked about on that solo episode last week where I did that Superflex mock draft. Go back and listen to it if you want to. It's a good time. Um, do you agree with if you have 101 and you don't necessarily need Bijan or think you'll be in a win ability window in the next like two years, should you trade back to the 102 or 13 just to get one of the top two quarterbacks and see what kind of haul you could get? Yeah, or yeah, if it's if not going to reach your marker, just stay there. If you can trade back a spot or two, you don't absolutely need a running back and you can get a back of the first, a back of the first round pick or like the earliest second, then I think that's totally reasonable. But if you're at the 101 and you can't trade back to something you want and you don't think you need Bijan, I'd still take him. I would too. Um, that's how that's how a sure thing I think he is safe for injury. Um, so I, I mean, it's, things always change mm-hmm. through the draft process and what teams they go to, but I feel like a lot would have to happen right now for him not to be the 101. Oh, most. and it's one of those things of even the other day in that episode, I was sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, honestly, if you gave me Bijan on, we'll just say like the average middle tier, like it's not the best, not the worst spot. I would probably still take him over of the starting 32 running backs or like, we'll say a fantasy football, of like the top 12, there might, if Brees Hall was healthy, he might be the only one. But because Brees That's Hall right. is not healthy, I don't know if there is one, but like there still is that whole, what if he pulls a Darren McFadden to bring him back my reference of all that in a bag of potato chips at Arkansas was Darren McFadden, came into the NFL and then was meh. Well, and like I said, I, I know I've made a statement about this before. I don't know where I firmly stand, but I mean, I've seen people that do fantasy for a living say that as of now that he would be the, the number one running back in all of fantasy right now, mm-hmm. including running backs in the league that are currently there. So um, I'm still wavering on, on that I feel that strongly about it, but that just shows you that in my opinion, this is, this is big of a running back that's come out in the draft since Saquon. Yeah. I was going to say Saquon or Christian McCaffrey. Who yeah. Was, felt pretty guaranteed. Um, those two guys. Maybe Derrick Henry. I know he was pretty big when he came up, but I don't think it's quite to that that, that level. Yeah, I'm gonna see when I think I feel like I, I think that I back, like Zeke I think Elliott is actually taken far behind Zeke Elliott. So yeah, I, think, so I was gonna say I was, to, a good, I was about to look up to see when Zeke was taken because I feel like the hype was a thousand percent real. What year was that? 2016. 2016. Yeah, so Zeke was a clearing away 101, <laughs> just ahead of Corey Coleman and Laquan Treadwell. Oh, and Josh Dotson. <laughs> Derrick Henry was a 106 that year. Okay, now I'm here. I'm just going to talk about this for a second. I'm just going to read should, it. We should. Okay, so it's Ezekiel Elliott. Then it goes a couple of some hot names here. Corey Coleman. Laquan I, don't, is, I don't even remember Corey Coleman hardly at all. There you go. If you don't know these names, look them up. Laquan Treadwell. Josh Dotson. Love Josh Dotson. Sterling Shepard. Love Sterling Shepard. He can't stay healthy. Then Derrick Henry. Then Michael Thomas. It's like, okay. Thomas went behind all those guys? Yes, he did. Oh, my God. Because remember, he was an old rookie. He was like 24 or something coming out. So everyone was like, oh, he's blah, blah, blah. Um, Listen listen to this name. (laughs) At 107, Kenneth Dixon. I remember Kenneth. Wasn't (laughs) Kenneth Dixon the guy that punched somebody in a bowl game? Yes. He ran back and (laughs) clocked him. Like, while he had his helmet on. Let's put that out there, too. Yeah. Um, And just to fill out the first round, because it was a fun time real quick. It's uh, Tyler Boyd. Will Fuller, CJ Procise. Here's a great name you'll have to look up. If you can tell me where he went to college, I'll be shocked for you. Leonte Carew. He went to Miami. Wouldn't have guessed in a million years. I think he went to Rutgers. 
And then at 112, it was David Johnson. Really crappy draft from a rookie perspective, it seems like. Yeah. Some of the names you gave me. No, the, I, no, I think we've been spoiled. I mean, somebody, I, I, I've been seeing conversations about this. Going into this most recent rookie draft, we felt like it was a, probably a slight down year for rookies. The way it's finishing up, this might be one of the best rookie classes we've had in a long time. Because if we go back to that top 12, there, I don't know if there's anybody in the top 12 that's definitive bust at all. Uh, as a, and this is coming from me, so I can say this out loud with confidence. Um, I feel like Sky Moore might be the guy, but yes. I mean, okay, I, I take that Sky Moore might be on that fence right now. But even then, I feel like it's an easy argument of, you know, lack of opportunity in the first year. Then it's just like, well, he could have rose to the top. Well, also it's Andy Reid. He has a history of hating rookies. Right. Well, even that guy seems like somebody that could have a good offseason and be right back in it. But I mean, even the guys that start out slow, um, Christian Watson, mm-hmm. probably the highest of that list, coming comes on strong, and Trey Burke seems Shocked to have the heck out of me. Good games. James Cook is getting some good run now. I mean, it's really amazing how well this top twelve class has come together. Garrett Wilson all the way back at one oh eight. My God. Uh, this was in this was our OG Jahan Dotson at one twelve. I mean, it, it was. Friend, we're gonna have to do a rookie draft. Oh, that's right, week eighteen. We get to do that anyways. We get to do our trimester rookie. And that's review. with some guys that got they got hurt. I, I'm mm-hmm. a big believer in like a Wandell Robinson who's yeah. drafted in the middle of our second round. Ugh. And this is why dynasty football is fun because pretty much these guys like we started. I know you and I started sharing texts about these guys last January. Of like, huh, I like this guy's film. Go watch him. And coming back, it's like, oh, my God, he's really good. Um, but this is why Dynasty never sleeps. Now is the time to start your draft prep for 2023. I know it's like you want to take a couple weeks off, whatever. When push comes to shove, these players don't absolutely have to declare until January 16th. So you can have two weeks off as of the time of this recording and not care. But after that, it's time to care, my friends. <coughs> Ooh, gross cough break. Um, but so anyways, um, yeah, moving in, that was fun. I like draft conversations. So basically going back to the Miles Sanders is a top 15 per game. Um, we're going to go to, and actually our conversation for this episode, is most going to be centered around the ADP. We're going to go, is this redraft ADP we're using or, um, yeah, well, it's the context I'm looking at is, is dynasty or Dynasty ADP if you were to do a startup draft this most previous year. But that, that that's the same as redraft. Okay, so yeah. So, works, yeah. So, yes, you are correct. We are using points per game regardless, and we're going to break down position by position, kind of like the overall finish. And so while we're, you know, we're not going to put a break in because why would you break off when, you know, some fun conversation pops up? So, Jens, I would like you to read the top 12 players or top 12 quarterbacks Based off of ADP, because we're going to do positional, because if you want to do like just round by round, that can get into the nitty gritty. Breaking down by position kind of is the easiest thing to go, I believe. I'll have to do some scrolling here because it won't give me just the quarterbacks initially. So first off the board. You can just uh, hit quarterbacks. Oh, no, ADP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is We're using the sleeper app. We're using the sleeper, by the way. It's a great app. Love it. It's fantastic. Learning. We're learning. All right. Josh Allen, first off the board. Justin Herbert at two. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow at four, at four, Lamar Jackson at five, Kyler Murray at six, Jalen Hurts at seven, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Oof. Trey Lance, quarterback 10, Deshaun Watson 11, and Aaron Rodgers rounding out your top 12 in the context of dynasty 
<laughs> well, the here's stand out amongst that. I'll tell you that. Oh, like Russell Wilson. That one's kind of gross. But the last, yeah, four of the last five or so, yeah. But I mean, it's one of those things of like, so like, read, read me off some of those the back half because the top, like top seven, it was like, yeah, whatever, top everyone's seven. in a mix. Dak at eight seemed great. Then, then Russell Wilson at nine, Trey Lance ten, Sean Watson oh. eleven, Aaron Rodgers twelve. Oh. oh my god, that that's that hurts my heart. So I'm I'm gonna scroll up and I'll read off the fantasy finish per game. So it's like points per game. Uh, we have Jalen Hurts at one, Pat Mahomes at two, Josh Allen at three. Those three guys are separated by one point per game. So that's a wash. It's all about the same. Um, then at four was Joe Burrow. So ADP and Joe Burrow lined up with the actual finish this time. Uh, Justin Fields was five. Lamar Jackson <laughs> was six. Um, and he's missed now like six games, five games, something like that. Um, but then there's Kyler Murray, the my favorite name. Geno Smith, Dak Prescott at wow. nine, two is at 10, Daniel freaking Jones is at 11, and then Trevor Lawrence at 12. But he's tied with Kirk Cousins, so I mean, whatever. Um, but yeah, so that that's a little different. Like, you know, the freaking Justin Fields, the Geno Smith, the two, the Daniel effing Jones, that everyone was like, oh, he's gone. Either dab all yeah he worked with josh allen but he's better talent and all blah blah but yet here daniel jones is i know it's fantasy football but still his average i think average game he averaged 18.3 points per game whatever it's not gonna take your team and you know a name i didn't hear in the top 12 justin herbert he's number 17 yeah it's been a very bad year for him and it's and it hasn't been his performance, his performance has been fine, which that might actually be even more alarming is that he's played well mm-hmm. in a real world perspective, but it just has not translated to fantasy points, which is probably a little scary. Like, we'll throw this over into perspective real quick. Um, for instance, this year he has zero rushing touchdowns. Last year at three, his rookie season, he had five. Um, his passing, he's actually on pace to – It's he's going to be right around his, yeah, his yardage total from last year because, I mean – He's setting at 446. Last year, he finished with 5,014. So you could say with a decent game, he's going to be able to, you know, get over 5,000 yards. But the big difference here is this year, he only has 23 touchdowns opposed to 38. Um, So that's one of those things where I think Justin Herbert, you know, just based off this conversation, if you can get him on the low or on the cheap in the offseason, I think he could be one of those guys just because of, the variance of touchdowns in general, I mean, crap. I mean, I'm getting a Miles Sanders jersey because he scored 11 touchdowns. Last season, he had goose egg, zero, El Zilcho. But, and we, we figure, I mean, I don't know the contract status just off the top of my head, but the Chargers have been having have been dealing with so many injuries mm-hmm. this past year, and we've seen probably a slight dip in Keen Allen's performance, but enough that's at least interesting considering his age. Um. Mike Williams has not been able to stay healthy yeah. ever. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts in that offense that while I don't think anybody's selling Justin Herbert, it's something that in the context of a dynasty draft, I think he would probably go behind a few of those names that we stated. And that 100% could and probably will be a steal just because, like you said, like I think they've missed 
three-fifths of their offensive line for a big chunk of the year. Uh, Keenan Allen sparingly played. Mike Williams sparingly played. So, like, remember, the there's a big chunk where it was second-year guy out of Tennessee, Josh Palmer, and um, a 29, 30-year-old DeAndre Carter were his top two options. That, that was all he had to work with. But yet here he is still getting close to 5,000 passing yards, and he's at 23 touchdowns. So, I mean, that's okay with me. Uh, is there anything else that you want to really talk about with the quarterback position? Because I know from a dynasty standpoint, um, like we're going to be seeing these stats all off season. We're going to be looking at these and like, oh, this, this, that, blah, blah, blah. Um, I do think Daniel Jones is still sneaky. I don't know if there, I don't know what there's to it, but like you have to assume they're going to upgrade his weapons around him, right? If he keeps the job this off season, like we expect him to now. I mean, all the talk and the expectation coming this year was that he was. He was gonna lose his job. I mean, they didn't pick um, up his fifth-year option, guy. right? No, no, and I don't think any, anybody in their wildest dreams expected him or this team no. to have this kind of performance. This They're year. in the freaking playoffs. But I don't, unless somebody just falls right in their lap. I don't know how they can justify <clears throat> using a very high pick on a quarterback when, whenever you look at a Giants roster and you see the holes that need to be filled, that's not the highest priority in my opinion. So he's uh, gonna be a guy because of his rushing ability. And like you just mentioned, we would think he would get some better weapons that he should go up and, and draft stock. Now, the ones I have my eyes on really are kind of the two rushers in this group, being Lamar Jackson and Keller Murray. Lamar still has to come back from his injury, so we got to see about that. And where he's going to be, off, honestly. Right. And, and Keller Murray's coming off his ACL coming next year, and that could be concerning with somebody who uses his legs as much as he does. And um, neither of them were having – the kind of seasons you would have hoped to in the first place. Mm-hmm. Now, with all the names they're around, I don't know that they're going to drop substantially just because you need other names to place above them confidently, and I just don't see it. Uh, maybe Dak. But the names I'm looking at that should be coming up right to that area of fringe top five if they're not there already is obviously Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. It's going to be way up there with the year he's had, plus the expectation that they're going to improve that offense even more next year. And then believe it or not, I know the passing hasn't been great, but you got to believe the Bears are going to stick with Justin Fields. His rushing is so phenomenal. I mean, we saw how he, he finished top five yeah. this year. Um, and you got to believe that that situation is only going to improve. So, I mean, those are two guys I think that insert themselves right into that top seven, eight category in a dynasty perspective. Yeah, I, I think if you're if you are going to try to trade for Justin Fields, what you're saying there, you're saying is, yes, he had a great year. You're trying to not, not downplay what he did, but you're just trying to say like, okay, but he had over a thousand rushing yards. He had eight rushing touchdowns. Like that's obscene. Well, yes, that is true. You also can point out his passing numbers, but like, dude, he couldn't pass the ball worth a foot for whatever reason. You know, I mean, you can look at, I mean, he has, he's going to have less than probably 2,500 yards this year in passing. He has 17 touchdowns as of this recording, which is pre week 18. Um, and he also has 11 picks. So it's like you can sit there and you can kind of point at that and poke at that. But I do think you're right because I think this is another team that we fully expect to acquire talent around Justin Fields to help him. I mean, they tried with Chase Claypool. They tried with Nikhil Harry for a bit. But they're going to get some actual serious firepower in there so he could be a guy that goes up. Um, a guy that I will kind of point at, if you scroll way down the points per game, is um, oof, Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's 25, I think, in points per game. 
And so obviously over the summer, his name is probably going to increase unless something else weird happens. I don't know. Just saying, you never know. Um, but he's probably going to be a guy that in Superflex I'm going to be targeting just because once again, you can say it's like, oh yeah, he came back. Sure. But he didn't look good. What do you do that really impressed you that well? Um, and I think you can kind of maybe pick at that wound a little bit to see what you can get for him. Uh, and his is a tough, is such a tough situation because we know, I think it was prior to this year, he did not finish any worse than quarterback seven mm-hmm. in any of his years. So another talent ability is there, but you have to wonder how much of his performance this year is just based off just so much time missed and trying to work the rust off and versus what is different about the situation than in Houston. So I think he's still going to hover around that top 12 range, but he might have as much volatility as anybody mm-hmm. in your, your draft process if you're obviously – redirecting for dynasty next year yeah and another guy i'd also throw out there that i might be kind of trying to acquire on the down low is russell wilson just i i know what we saw was really bad but i'll also say that what in the one game without hackett he immediately threw for three touchdowns 250 yards and ran the ball and was the quarterback three in most fantasy formats um so yeah that's just another guy to look at and some names i'm gonna look at that's gonna kind of to go away from, I mean, honestly, like Geno Smith is an obvious one because we don't know where he's going to be. He could be back in Seattle, could be somewhere else. Um, I'm going to keep scrolling. It's like names that I'm like, I'm avoiding entirely. It's like Derek Carr, unless I, I would try to acquire him based off of where he might be going, but I'm not going to sit here and give a lot because we don't know. Like, I don't even know what's going on in Las Vegas right now. That's kind of confusing me, even though, Jared Stidham, who I was banking on to be a garbage player for a tanking roster, went out and put up 30 points almost. Gosh, freaking dang it. Um, and then uh, then Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers averaged 14.9 fantasy points per game this year. His days as a fantasy stud muffin is over. And I am I'm pretty confident with saying that. Yeah, it feels weird to say it after he just won his back-to-back MVPs. As Taylor would say, he's the back-to-back MVPs, Aaron freaking Rodgers, which I don't care. Yeah, yeah. So it feels weird to say it in performance. You have to, you have to, you know, that's what you have to believe. I, I think. Um, I would like to see what they do in the off season, but we we say this every year. They're going to get them some help. They're going to get them some help. And they at least, mm-hmm. they at least did this year. <laughs> they still wait to the second round before they did that in this draft with Christian Watson. So. What you want to see from Green Bay for his sake is that they actually go out in free agency and get mm. somebody, somebody that doesn't have to be a project, somebody that doesn't have to be acquired in the draft or whatever, but somebody who's already made a solid receiver in free agency. So I agree with you. If they were to make a big, a big splash like that and add a bona fide number two to Christian Watson's one or even vice versa, then maybe I can begin to consider him Back in that top, that top 12, but unless that happens, I, I agree with you on that. And the thing that's, you know, interesting about that conversation is that there's this is a bad free agent wide receiver class. As we look at it right now, like I'm scrolling it down, some top names that I'm seeing, and brace yourself, get your um, puke basket is, I mean, it's like Greg Dortch, who popped off this year. It's Paris Campbell. Um, there is Juju Smith-Schuster. Cool. Jacoby Myers. DJ Shark looked good. I mean – um, Darius Slayton. <laughs> and nobody that's going to pop off. That you, no. Unless we get a trade that we're just not expecting, which is obviously, po- obviously possible. It's very true. 
Um, no, the other one I'm keeping an eye on is just the the 49ers quarterback situation as a whole. I mean, mm-hmm. we thought that situation was undecided going this offseason. It might be <laughs> crazier because Brock Purdy has obviously played relatively well given the circumstances. We expect Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go somewhere else more than likely, especially with now that the San Francisco since yeah, excuse me, San Francisco has two young quarterbacks mm-hmm. that definitely don't need Garoppolo now, you would think. And they also play similarly, so it's not like you have to change the playbook. Yeah, if, yeah, no, it, if anything, if San Francisco was at all concerned about that Garoppolo was just something special for them, this should do away with that notion because this <laughs> offense is not missed a beat. So I have to believe more than likely they go into next year probably with just an open quarterback situation and they just go through OTAs, they go through the preseason between – Purdy and Lance, and they just say, hey, whoever performs best, you get the job. And, and that's just – it's going to be – like, and I feel like this upcoming year is going to be very intriguing, to say the least, when it comes to the free agent quarterback position, just because, like, Derek Carr, for example, he's probably going to be the best name that's on the move because we've seen him be great and, like, God forbid he land in, we'll say, New York with the Jets. God forbid he says he goes to Carolina. I mean, I feel like that's – it's not a it's bigger than a Baker Mayfield upgrade, okay? Like I feel like that's an actual upgrade. Um, but so for kicks and gigs, if we're gonna put in, we'll just say the top two rookie quarterbacks, like CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, at this juncture, looking at, you know, we'll say the average stats, like where do you think they're gonna fit into drafts next season? And we'll just say like startup drafts in general. Like around what tier of player-ish, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I- I mean, I would think this is a good quarterback draft class. It's not elite, in my opinion, not the best of the best. It's not an Andrew Luck type of thing. It's not Peyton Manning type of quarterback. It's not Matthew Stafford. It's not those guys, I don't think. Mm. But um, these are pretty decent quarterbacks compared to what we've seen certainly last year, year before that, stuff like that. So with the places we expect them to go, Houston, Indianapolis, um, places like that, I would think they're probably going to start somewhere probably higher than what Kenny, what Kenny Pickett had last year. So Kenny Pickett was going in dynasty at ADP of 20 right off the board. I would say they're probably going to hover in that probably 18 to 15-ish range if I had to guess. So if the ADP is anything like it was this past year, it's going to put them next to a bunch of vets, Ann Rogers, Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, if he's still playing. Um, Tua's probably going to be higher than that, but the injury situation is so scary. You just don't mm-hmm. know. Um, Kirk Cousins will be in that range. So that's probably where they're going to be, in my opinion. It's kind of right there, about ADP of 15, surrounded by a bunch of five, 10-plus-year-old vets. And and that's going to be the thing is, whenever it comes to startups, is you're going to have to decide kind of what team you are in the process of building that direction. Um, I will be very invested to see where these those two rookie quarterbacks go with Bryson and C.J. Stroud. Um, other than that, honestly, from this class, I'm not going to care that much until it gets to the back half of the first round for rookie drafts. Um, unless offseason news just surprises the pants off of me. Um, but is there anything else you want to add real quick for the quarterbacks? I know we got like probably 30 seconds left. Uh, no, the only thing is just some of these guys that we were waiting to pop off that just haven't yet being like a Mac Jones. Um, We've seen it happen with Tua. We've seen him perform well, but like we just mentioned, these injury situation has got to be scaring everybody involved in the organization, but anybody mm-hmm. that has him in fantasy. So expect those kind of young guys to rise up and go up the leaderboard. Mac Jones hasn't. Tua, T. 
TBD. So <laughs> for now, it kind of remains where it was coming in this year, in my opinion. True. Um, thanks for listening to the first half. Stick around because the second half we're going to run through quarterback or quarterbacks. We just did running backs, wide receivers, and maybe tight ends, but tight ends are gross. So we'll see how froggy I'm feeling when we get there. Reach forward, tap, tap. We'll catch you in a second. Welcome back to the second half. We are breaking down the 2022 top 12 ish from each position. Uh, the first half featured the quarterbacks. Now we're going to jump right into running backs. So, gents, I feel like this is going to be the very divisive player group because. I feel like ADP is going to be way off from what the actual finish was. You have that. You have that very correct. So let's just start from the top. Jonathan Taylor, running back one. Najee Harris at two. Oh my God. Mitch McCaffrey three. <laughs> Javante Williams at four. DeAndre Swift. Austin Eckler at six. Derek Henry at seven. Dalvin Cook at eight. Joe Mixon nine. Brees Hall top ten. Hey. Nick Chubb eleven. Alvin Kamara at 12, and I know we said top 12, but just because of the What's the next there, couple names? Saquon at 13, Aaron Jones at 14, Travis Etienne 15. Oh, oh my God. A lot, of, a lot of variability here. Oh, my gosh. This is this is fantastic. All right, so the AD, the as the stats say average per game, this is the way it currently is. Austin Eckler, pick number six. Number one running back. As a matter of fact, he's like, I think, a top three overall player in fantasy football this year. Number four right now. Christian McCaffrey, number two. We all saw it coming. If he's healthy, he's great. Josh Mother Effing Jacobs, number three. Whoa, 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 hold on. I was like, how far down was he? Where was he at? Oh, my goodness. Josh Jacobs was running back 24. (laughs) And yet here he is, number three. My God, number 10 overall player in fantasy, by the way. Uh, number four is Derrick Henry. Number five, Saquon Barkley. He showed up. The team was better than everyone thought. And with Derrick Henry, I mean, okay, well, I will pause with Derrick Henry for two seconds here. Yes, he's up here at number four, but do we feel like he slowed down throughout the year a little bit? Because, I mean, well, I do see a couple big games. His best season. I mean, no yeah. doubt about that. <laughs> But in the context of how that team was completely devoid of any other offensive weapons, the uh-huh. fact that he was still able to produce that <laughs> is nothing short of phenomenal, in my opinion. Props to you, Derek Henry. I will be yet again standing against you in the dynasty offseason. I, feel I like apologize he's, for nothing. He's slowly becoming like the closest thing we have to the Tom Brady of the running back to where like, he just, just won't die. It's always next year. Next year is the year he falls off the wagon. Then he proves us again. And then the next, be next. Six years from now, I'll be right. <laughs> uh, number six is Nick Chubb. Number seven in points per game is actually Tony Pollard. Um, uh, man, amazing. that's going to be a fun conversation on the off season. Uh, two, number two running backs, both in Dallas. That'll be free. Yeah. Uh, number eight, Brees Hall is setting here, but I mean, he didn't play. I think he played like what eight games, seven games. So we kind of, even for our jersey bet, we kind of nixed him because he didn't play 12 games. But just know that he was there, he'll be healthy and ready to rock. Could be a bottle this summer. Um, number nine was Joe Mixon, number 10, James Connor, number 11, Dalvin Cook, number 12, Aaron Jones. And then just like you did for kicks and gigs, 13 is Ramondre Stevenson, dynasty name on the rise to sell probably because he's a Patriots running back. Number uh, 14, <clears throat> Miles Sanders. And for the sake of our bet, number 13. And number uh, 14 slash 15 was Ken Walker. Um, wow. And notice I didn't even say Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like every year 
you're going to come into the offseason, you're going to think you have a, a new strategy to finally get, especially the running back situation, figured out. And kudos to anybody that tries it. We will as well, but it's 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 difficult. The reason why I say that, look at right at the top. Jonathan Taylor goes to 101. That was pretty much unanimous. Understandably back, so. <laughs> can, right. And looking back, though, we can start to see some cracks in the argument because the reason mm-hmm. why he was the one-on-one unanimously was not that anybody saw him as the most talented, in the best situation, anything. It was basically that he was relatively young and he was healthy last year, and that's about it. I mean, because Derrick Henry on his best seasons, better. Chris McCaffrey, if he's healthy, better. Um, so we had other candidates. It's just that he ended up checking all the boxes of just not being anything that was too alarming to any of us. So with that said, when I look at this, I mean, obviously we can't predict injury. But going forward, taking into account obviously age still because it is dynasty, but that in conjunction with just somebody's overall performance to be the number one back might be the best way to go about it. Meaning if that's the case, then Christian McCaffrey is going to be up there again. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Austin Echo, despite his age, is going to be up there again because he can go off. Derrick Henry's probably going to be up there again. Not in my despite rankings, his- he won't. Priest Hall's going to be up there, obviously, mm-hmm. because of how young he is and the ability we've already seen him be able to pop off. And Ken Walker is going to be up there because he's been very good with his age. So, I mean, it's just we – knew, we knew this going into the year. It hasn't changed. There's so much volatility in the running back situation because it is the most dependent probably on outside um, forces mm-hmm. being the quality of your team, quarterback, red zone opportunities, health, the, the like. Um, but we're just left with this just – heap of players that are still relatively young we think relatively talented but they just didn't show out this year for mm-hmm. one reason or another being the Najee Harris's of the world Devontae Williams due to injury DeAndre Swift um a lot of guys like that that we still believe are probably talented but one way or another it just didn't work out and we have to ask ourselves do we think that's a trend going forward or was it just a one-year blip on the radar mm-hmm. and even something that i'll say throwing out there is like you know you scroll down a little bit down the list we'll see names that are going to jump up next year like for instance khalil herbert which i'm still salty that you put the same exact fab as i did because i wanted him this is a good time to air this out is oh i hate you so much so i picked up i picked up trace mcsorley because i figured you'd want him sure. to block you from getting him that left you with four fab dollars to my three but then you spent a fab dollar on, on somebody that week i don't know who so after you made that transaction, <clears throat> that put me right ahead of you in the waiver claim. Oh. And I had to drop Khalil Herbert. But I told myself, if there's anybody that's going to put a waiver claim in for him, it's going to be you. It was. And so I specifically went the rest of the week without making a waiver claim just because I knew we had the same dollars. I was one spot ahead of you so I could make that happen. So I'm glad <laughs> it worked out. Hey, everyone make this an unclean and an explicit <laughs> fantasy episode. This is the one because that made me a little salty, jerk. I'm surprised nobody else besides you. I know I am too. Honestly, I was waiting to see like a twenty dollars bid on him. But anyways, like names far down the list, like Khalil Herbert, Brian Robinson, um, AJ Dillon, Antonio Gibson. If he gets out of Washington, uh, J.K. Dobbins. Um, I mean, heck, I'll even say David Montgomery. Even I mean, he, all these guys are listed are behind twenty sixth in points per game, and all those guys could be in a very different situation, very different place next year that we're going to see kind of what happens with them. But the guys I want to focus on right now, it's like Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris. That was the 1-1, one, one, the 1-2, and like the 1-4, something like that. Wait. 
looking at those names, I think DeAndre Swift might be the hardest guy this offseason for us to predict mm-hmm. where he's going to go and what he's going to be because, you know, we're dealing with the injuries, which has been a staple with him. We have to take that into yep. account, obviously, whenever we're ranking him at all. But even beyond that, it, it, the usage was so weird this year. It's just that even once he was healthy, they just said that Jamal Williams is the starting back and DeAndre Swift took a back seat to him, but he's still so dynamic. He's so explosive. He still had some big games for evidence, evidence being week 17. He went off for 25 points. So I don't know what to think about it. I know that Jamal Williams, I believe, is a free agent this offseason, so he could yep. be somewhere else, which would be great for him. But for him to be top five again, he's going to have to get the bulk of the carries. And we just we have no idea what Detroit wants to do with him. We know the talent's there. That's the one thing we could say versus a Najee Harris, I would even say, is DeAndre Swift is still one of the most supremely yeah. talented backs in the league. He needs opportunity. He needs health. So for that reason, I think he's still going to go high because he's got that Christian McCaffrey type ability that if he can get a healthy season and get the usage, we see obviously what McCaffrey's always been. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what you hope DeAndre Swift could possibly be because he has that kind of talent. But all the hangups are going to cause him to drop down on a you know your draft day, which can make him a steal. But it's going to be really really weird. Yeah, like <laughs> running back. No, you're good. Running back next season in redraft and even dynasty valuation. I feel like because like we've said several times, the running back position next year is going to be sketchier than it ever has been in like recent memory. Just because, like, you know, we know, like, for instance, you and I are going to have probably confidence in Austin Eckler is probably going to be a top five to seven running back. Um, but yet, he, at the same time, it's like, he's going to be 28. Christian McCaffrey is going to be 27. Uh, Josh Jacobs could be on a new team. Derrick Henry is going to be, like, friggin' 30. Saquon's 26 and could be on a different team. Like, all of these players that you look at in the top 10 outside of, honestly, Brees Hall and probably Joe Mixon, I would say you're going to have questions around them. And this is in the points per game. And so it's like, good luck trying to forecast what's going to happen. I mean, obviously, after free agency and after the, the draft, we're going to have a better idea of kind of where these players will fall in. But as of this moment, as of January 2nd, 2023, it's a shoulder shrug. I really feel like I could scroll down all the way down to, honestly, probably about 117, which is Zeke Elliott at this moment. And basically everybody above that, I could probably have an argument of why I could see them being a top 10 running back this year. Yeah, and, you know, I don't have anything to necessarily compare it to, but it seems like running back right now is about as deep as it's been in a long time mm-hmm. as far as viable guys that can be usable for your fantasy and make a difference. Because even getting down into, like, you just listed guys like J.K. Dobbins, Dave Montgomery, Leonard Fournette, guys that produced to a degree in different instances, but just weren't super consistent. And those guys aren't going to go anywhere next year, you know, necessarily. So you got guys coming back from injury. you got guys in weird timeshares. It's just all a mess. Uh, excuse me, a mess. And you've got rookies that are still on the come up, like Damian Pierce and James mm-hmm. Cook that we don't know what to make of. So, I mean, it's going to be very deep. But ranking it is going to be <laughs> – it's going to be very different. I do have a question for you that was going to be circled around Damian Pierce because what do you do with him this offseason? Because, I mean, you know, he started off the year stupid hot. I mean, I think going through week 10, I'm pretty sure he was like a top 10 running back. Um, then after that, the wheels kind of fell off on Sands' two 11-point performances. What do you do with him in the offseason? Because I know that we talked about all year that, like, 
For instance, I've been of the mindset of if you can get a 2023 one for Damian Pierce, I would do it in a heartbeat. Okay. I okay. mean, so like how, I guess, low of a one would you be willing to get? Or like, would you be willing to get a package of like a mid second and like two mid twos or something that for him? Because I do feel like, I don't know. I just feel like his skill set's limited. And with the projected change of potentially <laughs> like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, whoever they like more at one possibly. And like they might be drafting one of the premier wide receivers from this class as well. This offense could go through an entire shift and Damian Pierce could be left in the mud. So like, what are your thoughts with what to do with him? Yeah, the best way I can think of how I would value Damian Pierce is I don't think you can view him as high as we probably thought he might be with the output he was having earlier this year. But we can't put him as low as his floor as to where his draft value is. I think we have to meet mm-hmm. in the middle. So, you know, for the most part, we see dudes drafted in the fourth round. They they don't stay very long. Um, now, I do get concerned because I think of like a Philip Lindsay someone like that who had a stellar first year and then came back down to reality considering they weren't a very highly drafted prospect. He wasn't drafted at all. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So with that said, I think you're right on the money as far as the value I would give up or I would say um, trade him for would be probably right at the very end of the first round, probably maybe a 201. I think there's still opportunity that he could be used and he could be efficient with it, but you have to be concerned they might bring somebody else in. And you have to remember that, for the most part, he was a fourth-round draft pick for a reason. Yeah. All those things have to be taken into account. So he's not near as bad as he was as far as his draft value, but he's not as high as he was for his draft value, or excuse me, for his production value that he had during the season. I would say going into next year, he's probably going to end up being in a dynasty. Oh, I'd say he's probably going to be that 16-20 range. It's probably mm-hmm. where he's going to end up. It's just not terrible to be at. There's going to be value yeah. there because if you take him there and he shows to produce just as well as he did this year, plus that team is better, so they end up in the red zone more often than not, and he scores more touchdowns, he's going to be a steal. But I don't think you need to get so high and start taking him, you know, top 12 and thinking, oh, man, I'm just going to get this guy that was producing last year. He's going to get more touchdowns. Obviously, it's going to be better. I think it could be a little bit of fool's gold, gold excuse me, if you go that direction. And that's why I feel like, well, he's not necessarily a player that I feel like you're just going to give away for nothing. Like, I don't think you're going to do it for anything absolutely less than maybe like the 201 or the 202. Like, I could see that. and I think you can get away with that. But, I mean, at the same time, you're not just trying to like dump him for nothing. You're trying to get value because, like you said, there is that potential that he could be a top 15 running back. Because, I mean, weeks one through 10 last season, he was the number 14 running back. Um, so, and that's including their bye week, I believe. But um, but anyways, and then so just like we do with the quarterbacks, where would you put Bijan in this, and why is it a top three? <laughs> I think you you've got it. I mean, he's going to be if without having it right in front of me, we're probably going to have some measure of. I think for me, Ken Walker is probably about the one on one because he's young. We'll fight about that in the off season because I I don't see um, Brace Hall's top three ish. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Uh, Brees Hall's up there. Christian McCaffrey with the 49ers is going to be two or four. Yeah. Right here, somewhere in that range. All that to say, Bijan, I think he comes in. He's solidly top five. You can make an argument that he's in that top three because he checks all the boxes coming out of college. He, he, um, he runs with power. He has 
great vision. He's a relatively good pass blocker. He's a fantastic receiver. I mean, there's really not a part of his game that gets critiqued super hard that you can just say, hey, that just he can't do X in the NFL. He doesn't have super breakaway speed. Probably one thing that he probably takes a knock, knock on is that once he gets to the second level, he's, just, he's probably not going to outrun everybody. But he's got great burst through the hole to get to the level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if he goes to even just a decent situation, I think you, you're you probably right. He probably slots in about that three, four spot, probably close to where I'd say just ahead of where Brees Hall is going to be coming off his ACL tear. Now, if Brees Hall had a – we'll say he never had the ACL tear – do you think that you might flip flip them just because we've seen Brees do it in the NFL before? And no, this isn't a homer question because I battled with this myself. Sure, sure. no, we haven't seen the. We'll know a, not, a lot coming off of the combine measurables because that's where Brees' stock really took you know yeah. a big up. Is setting you know just putting up insane numbers in the combine. If Bijan goes to the combine and puts up numbers like we expect him to, I think my thought has always been that Bijan is a better prospect. It doesn't mean he's a lot better, but I think mm-hmm. he's better. And so considering all things equal, if that's what I think, then I think I have to consider him slightly better coming into the league if we just assume their landing spots are anywhere close to the same. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the same thought that I came down with as well. It was one of those of I fully expect Bijan to probably be a better professional. But I think at this moment, if Brees Hall had the healthy season, he was the running back three, two, like he was headed that way to be just consistency. Then I feel like that's where you could have the conversation of like, okay, who is going to be better? Because with Brees, we've seen it with Bijan. We have not, even though we would both agree Bijan's probably more talented. And that's the key is there, there is a lot to be said about what you know versus what you don't know. That was a lot of what we went with Jonathan Taylor. We knew he was healthy. We knew he was young. We knew a lot about him. If Brees was able to complete that full season without his ACL tear, you make a good point. He might go ahead of him just because regardless of what we think Bijan is, we know that Brees Hall has shown yeah. that he is an elite run of the football at the professional level. And that's even with a bad team. <laughs> with a bad quarterback, I guess. Not a bad team, I guess, is the best way to say it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, and so that's that's where, once again, we always say that as much as aggressively as you and I pursued first-round draft picks, they're just lottery tickets. They could completely miss. They could completely whiff. That's why – Use them as currency. If you have a stockpile like you and I do, like I'm sure you and I are going to be sending out offers of, hey, I got two first round picks. I want this guy. Do you want to do the deal or not? Yeah. And, and for me, I'm actually taking, a, I'm going to take a unique strategy going into this offseason. Going into last year, I would take trades. I do, I do them tomorrow, the second that offseason yeah. opens up. For this me, is happening tomorrow, by the way. Regardless of what, what comes into my inbox, I am probably going to do a hiatus on trades until we at least get through probably the combine of the draft. Mm-hmm. I really want to see how these guys perform, and I want to see where they land before I even begin to really form my evaluations on what I think of these guys. Unless I just get something that's just yeah you know, astronomical. But assuming that doesn't happen, then I'm probably going to wait on, on trades. And I, I feel like I was nonchalantly had the same kind of general thought process. Like when it comes to – draft pick trades, I'm probably going to hold off until just around the combine, whenever we start hearing more about players and how like certain NFL teams are viewing their film and stuff. Um, but when it comes to like, you know, a player to player trade, I will be probably all over those um, starting as soon as, like I said, um, by the time you're listening to this podcast, champions will be crowned and trade deadlines will, or trades will be opened and you'll have 
new fab in your budget. And if you don't, somebody send me a text because I'll be forgetful. Um, we'll move on to the next fun position when it comes to Dynasty. Um, the wide receiver position, Jance. I would like to hear the ADP because I feel like this one was actually surprisingly predictive. You're correct on that. And I think this is becoming pretty consistent year after year that with this being said, receivers might be the more sure thing, especially if you're doing a dynasty startup, mm-hmm. especially at the very top. Um, because right off the bat, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, one, two in ADP. I mean, it doesn't get any safer, more predictable than that. I would probably take both those guys ahead of any running back right now if I was doing dynasty startups because we know exactly what they are. We know that if they're healthy, they are super studs. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, it goes Cooper Cup, CeeDee Lamb, Devontae Adams, Debo Samuel at six, Stefan Diggs, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill at nine, Jalen Waddle 10, T. Higgins 11, and D.K. Metcalf at 12. So far, the only so name like that's been a real bust is like Debo. Yeah, and even Debo was, was mostly injury. Now, he wasn't yeah. performing up to that standard, but he was still going to finish fringe top 12, save for the injury. Um, yeah, and like so the way things currently set by points per game is Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, but I will say that Cooper Cup did miss what he started in week 11 on, so this will be his sixth game missed today, seventh game missed. Um, so like park real fast from Cooper Cup. What do you do with him? Because this whole Rams team, I feel like is on the brink of just utter destruction for five years because we've heard Aaron Donald might, well, he almost retired last year. Matt Stafford, there's a thought of what does he have to play for? He's made his money. He's won his Super Bowl. Sean McVay could get paid, paid more from Amazon. Then all of a sudden you have a 29-year-old Cooper Cup who might have Baker Mayfield as a starting quarterback. Like, how he is a difficult player because he's still phenomenal. I don't want to miss, you know, get that misconstrued. But it's something to be said to where his entire team that he's known for basically his whole, whole career could just crumble in the blink of an eye. And you, as a dynasty manager, are kind of looking at that and like, I want to get out while the getting's good. So if today you could turn Cooper Cup in like the 103, which I would say is trading at a loss, but still solid value in whatever, whatever league you want it to be, would you do that or are you still needing more? I would probably still need more. I mean, there's a, a lot of variability here, no doubt about it. We get the – I believe we had heard the comment. It sounds pretty for sure that Matthew Stafford's coming back, so that's the first big domino. The defense I don't really care about because, obviously, their biggest problem is they need to disrupt their offensive line. If they can put in a lot of effort, draft capital and stuff into that to sure that up, that'll make me feel a lot better. Um, but his ability is so good. It's produ- I mean, we're, we're talking about when healthy, the wide receiver won – in fantasy. That's what it was last year. It's what he was on pace to do this year prior to his injury. Mm-hmm. The age is a little bit concerning, no doubt about it. But we've seen receivers still be, especially elite ones, be very productive into the age 30, 31, 32 season. So he's not going to go at the ADP he went last year, just not, not with everything that we've talked about at number three. But I still think he's worthy of a top 10 wide receiver draft pick. I mean, I really do. Yeah. Um, because I'm still gonna take him ahead of Stefan Diggs, another guy that's older, not quite his, actually they're both 29. Um, I'm still probably gonna take him at as crazy as it sounds. Ugh. My heart says I want to take him ahead of AJ Brown. I know that sounds crazy because AJ Brown is phenomenal, mm. 
But you've got to believe coming in next year, there's going to be a little bit of regression for this offense as a whole, just because it was so phenomenal this year. Yeah. And Devonta Smith looks fantastic. I mean, he might be the wide receiver too on his team, but it's not because he's bad or worse than AJ Brown. They've almost morphed into a one, a one B situation. Mm -hmm. That's how productive he's been. And that's great. But whenever you have somebody that amazing on the other side of the football, it's going to take away a little bit from your ability to produce. Yeah. Um, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. I'd take him ahead of – Yeah, see, I this take is – I would take him ahead of Jalen Waddle only because right now Miami's quarterback situation is a little concerning. I mean, we expect Tua to be there. I think he will be there. But the injury is concerning, and his development is still a little bit concerning. We've seen a lot of flashes from him. That he's fantastic. But in some cases, if these defenses are able to clog the middle of the field, he seems a little lost. So – there's a little concern there that a surefire guy like Cooper Cup, I'm probably taking ahead of anybody that I have any measure of mm. decent concern about in any aspect of, of their team or whatever. I, I will throw this out as a mild hot take. This might just be because it's 8.09 and I'm ready for off-season craziness, but I sneakily feel like Derek Carr might get traded to the Dolphins for two a straight up just looking at the concepts that Josh McDaniel likes to run. Not that two is a bad quarterback, not that he can't do it because obviously this year he's shown it to us, but I just think that the Raiders would be willing to trade Derek Carr plus for Tua. And I, I as a Dolphins fan, I would probably do that. Um, real quick, five seconds. What do you think about that crazy thought that just jumped in my head? Not even from a dynasty perspective, just a straight football thought of I, would that be no, something no, they'd I, entertain? I think it would have to be that the Dolphins look at the medicals and they look at the history and say, we are better off dealing to a way because we just can't deal with this inconsistency of the injury. Mm-hmm. The Raiders are in a different situation. Their quarterback situation is totally up in the air to where they say, Hey, you know, we've got, uh, we've got Devonte Adams out here. We've got a decent head coach. We think at least offensive play caller, let's get somebody in who we know has got ability and talent and let's see if we can keep them healthy. So yeah, at our yeah. face value, I think it, it ends up being good for both sides. Just a matter of the Dolphins ready to just cut the cord that fast. And it, it, as a Dolphins fan, it makes me cringe, but I'm also kind of intrigued by the thought just of like, what if there was a more downfield presence? I know Mike McDaniel's more like, you know, through the middle of the field, but you know, I don't know. Just a weird thought because Derek Carr has deleted everything from his Instagram as the new fat is. He, I think he told a reporter on the so way funny. out that he was like, yeah, I'm leaving Las Vegas for the last two weeks. Um, the and the general thought and feeling is that Derek Carr has played his last game for the Raiders, which, is, yeah. But anyways, um, by the way, keep trade cut great website. Use it as a guideline, not as you know stone, if you will. Uh, has Cooper Cup for a 2023 mid first as an even trade. He is currently wide receiver 15, which I think is a value. Probably you can get him now for that. I would probably do that. Um, but anyways, back to the you know season average points per game. Blah blah blah. Uh, Tyreek Hill is at number three, Devontae Adams four, Jamar Chase five, Stephon Diggs six, A.J. Brown seven, CeeDee Lamb eight. Uh, Michael Thomas is at nine, but I'm not counting him because he played like, you know, five games. Amon Ross St. Brown would be the new number nine. Jalen Waddell is the new 10. DeAndre Hopkins would be the new 11, even though he missed the first game most of the season with the suspension. Then Amari Cooper surprisingly is at number 12. And then I think Mike Evans Jumps up there at number 13 just because of a 43-point explosion. I'm so sorry to bring it up again. That just happened. Uh, Devonta Smith is 15, or our 14 T. Higgins would be 15. 
And then Tyler freaking Lockett would be number 16. Um, but so is there like anything from that list that really jumps out to you other than like, I feel like probably the top 11 to 12 guys, I would probably project them about the same 12 guys going into next season to be that top 12. Honestly, I don't know how much variance I would put into what I currently see. Like Debo might creep his way back up in like top 15 ish, but even that sketchy with whatever quarterback might be back there. Um, but like, yeah. So what are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot like running back. There's a lot of value I find kind of 12 to 24 range that I really like. Um, some of the guys, I don't even know if we talked about it in season finish. You may have, I, I might miss the name, but like, what do we do with like a, a DJ Moore? Who oh, I didn't the entire talk about season garbage quarterback situation is terrible. And then he comes out the last four out of his five games. He scores at least 16 fantasy points. Um, and we still think he's supremely talented, he's but so we talented. are unsure on quarterback. We've got Terry McLaurin, who we think is super talented, who's put up big games, but him and Carson Wentz can just never get in the same page. It seems like, um, so there's there's so many guys like that in that 12 to 24 range to where it's gonna be it's gonna be like this past year where somebody's gonna be sitting back there and then they're gonna get into the right situation whether it's quarterback change yep. or an offense regression the mean regressing the mean and they're gonna pop off and finish top 12 and we really didn't see it coming um, yeah. oh. those are the guys that I'll be researching this offseason that I want to get into it and see is there's a guy that is shown time and time again that he's talented and he's just been missing this one thing and maybe that guy, guy gets that one thing in the offseason I think hey he's he's way low on ADP compared to what everybody else thinks he is I'm just <laughs> I just the wide receivers for me like I mean this is also where we said that it's more predictable it's more consistent because I think you and I both would agree like I said of the top 12 is going to be about the same. Like, kick out Michael Thomas. He doesn't count. DeAndre Hopkins is probably making an exit as well. But, like, there's a there's a solid core of 10 guys at the top I think I would repeat that process with. Um, but, like, for instance, like you said, like, guys that you think that are lotto tickets, basically, again, like, with the wide receivers, like DK Metcalf, he's at wide receiver 26 on points per game. Uh, Chris Olave is 27. Even Jerry Judy kind of showed up there towards the end of the year. He's at number 28. Uh, Michael Pittman. Big, painful one. He's the number 30 in points per game. Um, and DJ Moore, 31. Like, there's going to be a lot of guys this offseason that are going to be acquirable. I feel like because of what happened during the year, that if something gets situated, like you said, it could swing wide for that player. And they could be all of a sudden a top 10 player. Um, I don't really know if there's like a surprise name that I see on this list. Um, everyone finished kind of as expected a little bit, you know, with just their season end. I'm like, uh, I guess Amon Ross St. Brown would be a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, I know that, he started that, the year that was off. That's going to be mine. Yeah. At 26 on the ADP. I mean, that's Oof. probably the highest finisher from down low. And that's another thing that we, we saw the signs of it last year. It's just we struggled to say, do we actually believe this is sustainable or yeah. was this strictly opportunity? Because he had so many pass catches. There was nobody else in that offense. Lions were a dead team in the water, and he just got a bunch of targets. But he proved that the talent appears to be real. The offense has been way better. I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but Detroit's got to finish this top 10 offensive league this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And things are looking up. We 
I would assume we think Jared Goff's going to come back next year. Um, we think DeAndre Swift's going to come back healthy. We think Jameson Williams is going to be a real dude there. So, I mean, things look good for this offense. Amon Ra has shown himself to be a very talented guy. And so I think he's firmly uh, put himself in a position that he's probably going to go top 12 in yeah. Dynasty next yeah. year because I don't know how we can deny it anymore at this point. And it, it's just – Amon Ra is going to be one of those players that it's going to be wide right again, though, because remember, like, now we're going to have Jamison Williams. He's going to be there for a full year, and it's going to be like, okay, cool. What's this going to look – what's this offense going to look like with that? And then it's also slipping right back through there. It's, okay, is Jared Goff going to be the quarterback? We don't know. I mean, would you say the Lions would rather have Jared Goff over, like, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr? Two hot names are going to be out there? Or whatever rookie they could get at the top five, top six pick that they're going to have? And that's the thing. The Lions are in that position, um, much like the Giants, that to me, you don't make a swap at quarterback unless it is a for-sure upgrade. Mm -hmm. And to me, a Derek Carr, a Jimmy Garoppolo, a Jared Goff, those guys are all the same tier-ish for me. And so you don't go out of your way to mess up team chemistry and what you've already got just to get a guy that's probably almost the same thing. Yeah. And, and that's, that's just why once again, like the quarterback position for what we see, what happens with all these teams is going to vary so heavily just based off of where certain players go. Um, also, I would just like to say that we, I do am checking my Twitter right now. And apparently um, the safety DeMar Hamlin from Buffalo made a tackle, got up and then fainted back on the field. And apparently they are a, you know, there's a report, I don't know if it's confirmed or not, that they were administering CPR on the field to him. So, um, thoughts and prayers and health for him in that situation and the players all around. Um, this game, I, I don't know. I don't know what you can do as a league if you two teams saw a guy get CPR on the field. Um, yeah, with – yeah, we, mm. we can't get into too much, obviously, because it's developing – but if it's true with what we've seen and what you've just stated and the reactions of the players to that, I don't know how you finish a game tonight. And then I don't know how you reschedule it because this game in the context of seeding and stuff obviously matters. It's very ton. important. So I don't know. It, that's a bad situation. And, and, and this is where football takes a backseat and human beings, you know, saddles on up to the front and, Obviously, we don't know much. All we know is right now, if you're a praying person, now is the time. Um, we'll just keep you updated if something pops up. But as far as we know, Demar Hamlin uh, safety was getting CPR on the field. Once again, that's not confirmed, but I'm seeing more and more instances of it pop up. Um, so but regardless, he's hurt. It's not good. It is what it is. Um, back to our conversation when it comes to Dynasty Fantasy Football, not to make light of a potentially very dark situation, but to kind of trudge on as as we do when it comes to stuff like this. Of we can only talk about so much, and I'm not going to put wild speculative thoughts out there. Um, so, like when it comes to the top two or three rookie wide receivers, like Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison, and pick your favorite as a third because I don't feel like there's a definitive third out there just yet. When it comes to next year's drafts, where would you kind of slot them among these? I know wide receiver is the most situa situationally dependent player, probably. Um, so where would you put them just right now based off of first thought? One more time. I was like Quentin Johnston, the receiver from TCU, and Jordan Addison, the USC product, or used to be. It, um, so for me, for me, Quentin Johnston is definitely wide receiver one. Um, 
I just love his ability. I love his size and speed. I mean, he combines everything to where he seem he plays all levels of the field, which is something mm-hmm. that I tend to look for in a wide receiver one, somebody that can attack you from every single aspect. Jordan Addison, a smaller prospect, obviously, um, but likewise can do a lot all over the field. Would probably slot into that number two pretty securely for me. So I think for now, the top two, top three, I know I'm missing some names. For now, remain pretty status quo to what the industry thinks and what most people believe. Um, but we we hear this going into the draft. They say we hear that this is a little bit of a um, lesser draft class when it comes to receiver. Mm-hmm. I guess is a better is a good term for it. But we've seen like this last year. Surprises happen. Things change. Combine OTAs, things like that, could change your mind a lot. So don't sleep on these guys because somebody's going to make a difference for your fantasy team. Uh, yeah, definitely. And um, also, I just saw an unconfirmed report once again that they're suspending the game as is because they've been administering CPR for nine minutes on the guy. Um, but um, but anyways, yeah, it's just it's going to be come down to where those players land. Um, Quentin Johnston, like you said, I agree if this wide receiver class currently as deep as the running backs feel for 2023 is as shallow as the wide receivers feel. Um, because I feel outside of Quentin Johnson and Jordan Addison, even them, I feel I feel like I have plenty of questions about. Um, you're talking about a wide open range like Rishi Rice's guy I love, Josh Downs, um, A.T. Perry, Zay Flowers, like a bunch of guys that's just cool and you go to a good spot. But after the combine, we'll figure out a lot more. Um, but our timer is about to go out. Um, gents, thank you for joining me tonight. Um, talking football, it's been a good time. Honestly, I don't know if we're going to go to a second episode this week or if we start our one episode a week tirade. So uh, just stay on your toes. I'll be texting some people about that, a.k.a. you, Jance. Um, but you can find us on Twitter at, mis- at Misfit underscore FF or through our email at v.misfit.ff at gmail.com where we'll answer all of your fancy football questions. Um, once again, Jance, thank you very much for joining me tonight, amigo. Sir, always a pleasure. I, I'm not happy to have to get a jersey on our bet, but I am a man of my word. My back is going to love having Sanders on it. (laughs) I appreciate your patronage and everybody have a great night. Catch you later.